What would I put in it? What kind of fixtures? I would go to like stores and go online and take pictures. And I kind of had, you know, a big folder of pictures. So when the time came, I was so clear on what I wanted that it was able to go quickly. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 253 with Tina Quintana. Tina is a Tiny House Engage member who completed her tiny house shell about five and a half years ago, and she is a textile and practical arts teacher in Pennsylvania, and her tiny house is actually parked in the backyard of her quote-unquote big house. Uh, She uses it as a studio space, as a guest room, and has also traveled in it when she has taken teaching contracts. In this episode, we'll really dive into how and why Tina decided to finish a pre-built shell. Tina has a lot of great encouragement for those of you who are not experienced builders, who want to have a hand in the building of your own tiny house. And we talk about why a shell is such a great option. I love sharing interviews with you of regular people who are living tiny or building a tiny house and using it in different and unique ways. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tina Quintana as much as I did. Hey, it's Ethan. I'm a tiny house author, speaker, and teacher, and I'm the host of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I've been making the show for free for the past five years. But one thing that you might not have known about me is that I love coffee. If anything I've written or produced has helped you on your tiny house journey and you're looking for a way to say thanks, a coffee is a great way to do so. Head over to thetinyhouse.net slash coffee to buy me a cup. I really appreciate your generosity and kindness. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast will always be free, and I bring you a fresh new episode every Friday morning. If you are able to chip in, I really appreciate it. Again, that website is thetinyhouse.net slash coffee. All right, let's jump into this week's interview. Quintana. Tina grew up loving small spaces, anything from building forts to traveling in a VW bus and now a tiny house called the Dog Star. Her intention was not to live in it full time, but to use it for traveling, teaching gigs, a studio, a guest house, and possibly a pop-up shop. In the future, Tina would like to have a larger tiny house to live in full time and to have her Dog Star together on a piece of property. Tina's tiny house is about five and a half years old and is a shell from Liberation Tiny Homes that she and her husband completed. She is a textile and practical arts teacher in Pennsylvania. Her tiny is parked in the backyard of their big house and is loved and enjoyed every day. Tina Quintana, welcome to the show. Hi, Ethan. Great to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Hi, everybody out there. Yeah, all the all the future listeners, future and current listeners, there's um yeah. members of Tiny House Engage can listen in live and then the the rest of the audience hears it on a podcast. So thank you so much for for doing this. Um tell me tell me about um 
the name Dog Star, is that a reference to to the book, The Dog Stars? Um, no, it's in reference to the idea of the dog star. So when I'm traveling for teaching and I look up at the sky, okay, I'm looking at the same stars that my family is looking at. Nice. I like that. It's a good name for a tiny house. Yeah. So I was, when I was thinking of the name, I thought about when I'm traveling and staying away from home and I'm looking up at the stars, Mm -hmm. the dog star, my family is looking up at the stars and they're seeing the same ones. Uh huh. That's where it came from. I like that. That's sweet. Yeah. So tell me about your, you know, kind of pre tiny house journey and, and what, you know, what really made you pull the trigger and, and kind of jump in on, on doing a shell. Okay. Gee, pre journey feels like so long ago. I can't even hardly remember. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, so the last or the only movable tiny space I ever had was my Volkswagen van, which I always missed. Unfortunately, Uh it was totaled in a snowstorm in Vermont. Mm. And I always missed it. I missed the idea of just getting in a vehicle, which is my home I can stay in and traveling. So that was sort of on my mind. And then, you know, being an art teacher, Mm -hmm. there's always a chance when, you know, the budget is tight that the art programs get cut short first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just started thinking about tiny houses again because I knew something might be coming up. And also at that time, the shows started to become more popular. Uh-huh. And I started watching the shows and then there were books at the bookstore and then there was the magazine and lots of stuff online. And I was just like, this is it. This is it. You know, I had the taste of it when I had my Volkswagen van and I really want to do this. But, you know, I'm settled. My husband is settled here at his job and my daughter. And I thought, you know, we can't really travel, you know, continuously right now or move to where tiny houses might be allowed. Because really, five and a half, Mm -hmm. almost six years ago, really, um, there weren't too many places to park a tiny house. Actually, I didn't know any. Yeah, so all of that kind of got everything going. And then I found out there was a builder, Liberation Tiny Homes, not too far from my house, about 40 minutes. And I went to an open house there, and that's when things really started to go. So that was kind of the beginning. Yeah, lucky you living right near, living right near like a good, reputable builder. Yeah, definitely. And we were able to go up there. You know, as each phase of the build changed, we were able to actually go up and look and make decisions and, um, you know, just see what was happening, which was awesome. I know a lot of people don't get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about the decision to do a shell. Um, what, you know, what was the house like when you got it? Was there, was there plumbing Mm -hmm. and electrical or did you have to do all that too? Hopefully you were able to download all the pictures I sent. There is one there yes. that shows the um, the shiplap, the walls were in, but the pipes for yep. the plumbing were sticking out in the kitchen, in the bathroom. Yep. All the electrical where the light fixtures are were just boxes with wires sticking out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We originally were going to put the walls in ourselves, but 
it was taking so long to get the build. And as it turned out, I was going to do a travel teaching job. Okay. So we asked them if they would put the walls in for us, which they agreed to. Uh-huh. But originally, the reason we decided on the shell was, one, of course, the cost. What a huge difference. Yeah. And two, yeah. yeah, two, you know, we have we have our bigger house that we could build out the inside. We have a garage right there that has electric. So we knew that we were going to have that opportunity. But on the other hand, we had never done electrical work. We had never done plumbing work except, yeah. you know, fixing things in the house. So we were kind of a little nervous about it, but we were like, ah, you know, it's ours. We're not renting it out on Airbnb. We're not selling it. It's ours. So, you know, if, you know, the trim is a little off or the floor isn't perfectly cut, which it's not, that's okay because it's ours. And we just kind of took that approach the whole time. Nice. Nice. That's, that's the only way to do it. Or that's a really good way to do it is to just kind of put one front foot in front of the other, the other and, and enjoy the process as much as you can. Yeah, I just wish there were as many things available back then when we were finishing it out as there are now. Yeah, are there are there any like products or, or appliances in particular that you that you are coveting? Mm, not really. Uh, I have to say, I'm really happy with the Envy heaters. Oh, nice. I've had a few different heaters, and these are really amazing. They're they have no sound. Uh-huh. There's no fan, so there's not like blowing heat in one area. It actually really evenly warms yep. the temperature in the house. They're amazing. Nice. And and they're they're like an electric radiant panel heater, right? Yeah, I guess what it does is it draws cold air from the floor, so you have to uh-huh. install them fairly low down on the wall. Uh-huh. And it pulls the air up through it and then sends it out warm. They're really amazing. Nice. Yeah. And how many how many of those do you have in in the house to stay warm? Well, I actually have two, but the second one I have by the bathroom. Uh-huh. And I only use it when it gets below maybe 25, 24 degrees. Okay. And I have it there because that's where all the plumbing is. Yes. Right? So when it gets really cold, I'll open the kitchen cabinets and the bathroom cabinets and then that wall gets heated really nice. So that helps. Otherwise, really, I only need one. And they're only like $150. They're so cheap and they're so great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So how long did the did the finish work take you and, and your husband to do? Hmm. Gosh. <laughs> Maybe about six six months or so. Oh, wow. That's really fast. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we put in the floors in the loft and, um, in the living Uh room of the whole downstairs. We, yeah, we put in a sink, we put in a shower, we put in kitchen cabinets, our kitchen cabinets. I love them. We bought the pre-made cabinets at like a big department store, like Lowe's. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And we cut the backs off of them. So that they were a little bit narrower because it's pretty, it's pretty narrow back there by the bathroom and the kitchen. We cut the backs off, we install them, we painted them and they're just, they look so great. I'm so happy with them. 
That's awesome. And then we just put risers on the stairs and yeah, lighting and all that. But you know, I have to say, probably it was probably like two years that I was thinking about what do I want in a tiny house? You know, what do I want it to look like? What would I put uh-huh. in it? What kind of fixtures? I would go to like stores and go online and take pictures and I kind of had, you know, a big folder of pictures. So when the time came, I was so clear on what I wanted that it was able to go quickly. Yeah. Really helpful. Do your research way ahead of time. Yeah. And where at, at that point, you know, I know it's, it's five and a half years ago, so it's a long time, but you know, where were you getting your research? Where were you, you know, where were you finding helpful, helpful knowledge and instruction on how to, to complete the shell and, and get the tiny house kind of up and up and running? Mm-hmm. Probably books more than anything else. Like electrical mm-hmm. books from the bookstore. Yep. You know, they have these really great manuals that have like everything in it, how to install a fence, how to install a floor, yep. how to do plumbing, and really probably that more than anything else. And maybe asking a few questions here and there. But yeah, it was probably books because like I said, there really wasn't much back then. I think YouTube also. We watched some YouTube videos, but really not that many. It was mostly books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shells. I, I've been hearing more and more from from people who are are planning to go tiny that they're they're really thinking about a shell. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's they're great because they combine this. You know, they combine some of the heavy lifting that's done for you and gets you kind of a little bit further down the road of the project. But then they also still let you get your hands on some building materials, personalize the tiny house in ways that, that a professional builder might not do for you and, you know, and save some money. Um, I'm curious, you know, do you, do you have a sense of, of like how much you saved or like a percentage of what you saved by doing the shell versus, you know, having the whole house built professionally? Um, well, not compared to what they were charging for a a completed one back then, but in total, I don't think we spent more than twenty eight thousand, and this is a uh, like an eight. Wow. What is it? Eight and a half by eighteen. Okay, I think it's pretty great that's, inside. That's with the shell. That's with the shell and everything. Totally everything that's in it. Wow. Even little furniture and the heaters, everything. Wow. That's amazing. I'm. Uh... I'm inspired and I also want to want to tell people that unfortunately those numbers are not not the same anymore. I was actually when you when I saw that it was a liberation house I I popped onto their site just to see and and they are a good builder. I've had them on the show. Um mm-hmm. I think their least expensive shell is um 48,000 and that's mm-hmm. without windows or roofing or door. That's like really basic shell. Um, and mm. then it goes up from there if you want like other things in it. I mean, the cost of building materials has gone up a lot and they also, yeah. you know, that's a 26 foot house too. So it's not, you know, not right. comparable size either. Yeah. Well, I think that um, when I just got the shell from them, it was around 24. Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine. But on the other hand, I don't know if this mattered, but. I actually bought plans from Dee Williams mm-hmm. for her um, uh-huh. Sweet Pea house. Yep. It was so similar to what I wanted 
that I bought the plans. And then when I took it to liberation, I explained to them all the things that I wanted to change. So it's really loosely, you know, it's kind of a loose version of it. But I don't know if that helped the fact that I actually had plans for them when I went to them. Yeah. So this is a custom shell, no less. Right. It's a 2.5 shell. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Um, But I still think, Ethan, I still think it's so much cheaper to, you know, like I said, if if you're not into everything having to be perfect and if you're not, you know, renting it out, I still think it's such a good thing to consider because, you know, it's okay to learn as you go and take the time that you need. And you really do. I mean, you save thousands of dollars. Thousands. Yeah. Do you have, you know, a message? I I know that a lot of listeners are kind of in this boat where they like, they really want a tiny home. They're not sure they can afford it. And they, they see that the DIY route is, is certainly the best chance that they have to do it, you know, for, for cheaper. But I think that they have a lot of fears about their ability to to learn and to actually do the work. I'm curious, and and I don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions. I don't know how old you are. Any any message for you know somebody like you who who is maybe mm-hmm. a little scared to to do this? Any thoughts about you know how it was for you? In some ways, I feel like it comes down to like how bad do you want it. Um, I'm just the kind of person, if I really want something, like I will find a way to make it happen. I'm just like that. Or even though I'm scared, I'll just do it anyway. So I think part of it is my personality, but if you have a place to park the shell Mm -hmm. and work on it, and if you have time before you have to Mm -hmm. live in it or use it, then really what's mm. to stop you you know you work a little more you save a little more money and then you work on it yeah you know it's different if you really need it by a certain time and you have to move then it's kind of tricky because things do happen but yeah you know i'm in my 50s and i hope i'll live a long time and i can stay with it for a long time i have a lot of uses that i want to get out of it but mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the two most important things are you need to have a place to have it while you're working on it and you need time. And that's really it. Even if you're scared, yeah. you know, go online, talk to people. There's so many things you can do to find out how to do what you need to do. Or maybe finding other people, barter, exchange a service, you know, maybe you sew or maybe you're a painter and someone's a plumber and you can kind of switch. I just feel like there are so many options, so many possibilities. It would be a shame to not do it. Does that make sense? Space and time. I like it. Yes. It almost feels like we're getting metaphysical with with space and time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm curious, um, are there any features in your tiny house that that are that are super unique for you and your husband or just um you know anything that you're really proud of in in the build that 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 you feel is special um well i thought that was pretty cool how we cut the backs off of the cabinets and made them fit better oh um oh and then you talk about that yeah so when i bought we bought the cabinets from lowe's you know if you buy pre-made cabinets they're uh-huh. a certain width yeah but you know, if you have a narrow space in a tiny house, 
you know, it just makes it tricky. So we just said, well, we need more space. And again, that was one of the scary things because what if we cut it and we ruin the cabinet? But it really was not that hard. We just, you know, <laughs> measured twice, three times and used sharp tools and cut the back off. And, you know, it was amazing how easy it ended up being. And then the other thing is I love, wow. you see behind me, my built-in bookcase. Uh-huh. For me, that was the best thing because as an art teacher, I have books, I have magazines, I have fabric, yarn. I have so many things. The thought of keeping them in something enclosed and having to take them out all the time was not really what I wanted to do. So even when we moved the house and we've moved yeah. it at least, I don't know, six or seven times, I just put a big sheet of masonite board in front of it, push the couch in front of that to hold it in place. And I don't even take everything off of it. It's amazing. Um, and then the closet. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about it. Oh, so behind the bookcase is a closet, which also goes okay. from the edge of the bookcase all the way to the wall. So I have a hanging closet. And then in the stairs, I built in storage. So I have a folded folded clothes closet. So I have two closets in here. Mm-hmm which is really amazing, I think, for a space so small. Nice. Yes. And uh, it's important to remember those closets. I, I famously forgot to put a closet on my first floor of my tiny house. So I have mm-hmm. I have two closets in the loft. One of them mm-hmm. is for hanging clothes and one of them is for folded clothes. But it'd be really nice to have like a standing closet on the ground floor for like a broom and a mop and like you know, other mm-hmm. closet items that you might want to want to have that are tall. Yeah, definitely. And actually my, um, my fuse box is in the back of the closet. So if I blow a fuse or power goes nice. out, I just have to open the closet door and reach right in. Which is great. That is, that is very convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Eh, I don't know. I think everything else is just kind of standard. Yeah, but it's also it's also about like what you've put in the house. So you you mm-hmm. you definitely have a collection of books and you know, you strike me as a real a maker, somebody who does a lot of crafts and projects. Like what do you use the house for as a as a studio space? Oh yeah, all every day. Nice. What do you what do you make there? Well, if I'm working on a quilt, I can I have a table that folds up and I can uh-huh. well, I can unfold it and stretch it out and lay a quilt on it, have a sewing machine out. And then when I'm done sewing, I just get up and walk out. I don't have to, you know, close it up and put it away because no one else is really using the space. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sewing and knitting and oh, wood carving. I do a lot of wood carving out here. Uh, I use my staircase for that. Uh-huh. I have a really small wood carving bench that, fits on the edge of my staircase and yeah i just carve okay puppet on my shelf can you see him nice i don't know if you can well, see I can, him on I, the shelf the video is not on right now but but it oh, will okay. be in the in the video replay yeah oh good yeah so wood carving i think i can do almost anything yeah. out here beading jewelry making everything that's awesome it's a great space yeah great space for that and then um you know, in terms of living in it, have you, have you thought about living in it and what are the, you know, what are the legalities of, of your, of where you have it parked now? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I actually lived in it for two years for a teaching job. Nice. Yeah, the, it was about three hours north of here. Okay. So I was able to come home on the weekends, which was great. So I would go up there, teach during the week, and then drive home on the weekends. Plus, I have summers off and school breaks. And um, basically, yeah. when they, when I had my interview at the job, I said, well, they offered me the job. And I said, I'll take it if you can find a place uh-huh. for me to park my tiny house. <laughs> uh-huh. So... One of my colleagues offered for me to park at her house. She lived on this, you know, small back road in the country and said, nobody really comes down here unless they live here. And so, yeah, I parked it Uh up there. I brought it home in the summer, brought it back when the school year started. And it was awesome. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't set out a lot of things outside to, I really didn't try to draw attention to myself in the house that someone was living in there. Mm Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, at the same time, you know, it was in the middle of nowhere and, and yeah, I lived there for two years and then COVID hit and then we went online. So I said, well, you know, I don't need to stay up here if I'm teaching online, I'll just go home and teach in my tiny house. Yeah. So I taught all of my yeah. online classes on Zoom out here. So that was awesome. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. You had your teaching studio. Yep. Yep. So it was great to live in it full time. I learned a lot, especially when the weather was really cold. I'll bet. Yeah, but you know what I have to say, Ethan? All that time that I took to really plan what do I want, what do I need, it paid off because Uh it just worked perfectly. It It was just perfect. I can't even explain to you how I did that. But the only thing that I would change is I would get a mini split. I would have put uh, a mini split in in the build. That's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that seems fairly standard now, like or at least in my in my opinion, you know, whenever I advise anybody that that is that should pretty much be your default heating and cooling yes. option for your tiny house mm-hmm. unless you have some other, you know, if you're trying to be off-grid for example, it can be difficult to to run a mini split off of solar. And then you right. can start looking at propane as, as heat, but um, right. they do work wonderfully. H- have you thought about adding one? Would it be possible to add one? Yeah, actually, I have been thinking about it, and you can add one afterwards. The only thing is mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of the piping will be on the outside of the house, which is fine because you can just build a yeah. box around it and insulate that. Mm-hmm. And then you actually don't really have to tear apart the walls. You just have to drill a small hole. So it's really not not a big problem. The thing right. is that if you want to pay someone to do it, it's expensive. Yes. But I think it's a good thing. And not that my heaters aren't good enough, but you know, I have a cabin theme, so I don't have a lot of big windows. And to take up one of the windows in the living room for a little air conditioner is really kind of a pain. And the uh. cold air doesn't really circulate well from a small air conditioner in a window. Because the ceilings are so high. Yeah. Yeah. So I think having the mini split and having the unit up high uh, really helps to move the air around. And it also, it, uh, it's also a dehumidifier, I think. A humidifier or a dehumidifier? Yeah. yeah. The mini split, they, I mean, they essentially dehumidify okay. because their they're air, air conditioners dehumidify. Um, okay. And so mini splits do too. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Because let me tell you, right now, right now, my um, humidity is about 30. It's usually between 25 and 30 in the winter. But in the summer, when I put an air conditioner in, I mean, it can go way yeah. over 50, which is, which is pretty humid. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any humidity issues in the winter there? No, I haven't, actually. My insulation is rock wool. Uh-huh. And I think that that's, in some ways, I mean, most of the people I know that have that kind of insulation don't have a lot of condensation. I, I hear more from people who have spray foam. Yeah. So it must breathe a little bit more with that. Yeah. Yeah, it probably does. Mm-hmm. Um, so a fellow Tiny House Engage member, Betsy Barber, is is kind of listening to the live stream and is, is chiming in with lots of helpful things, to, to <laughs> questions and things to remind me. Um, according to Betsy, you are leading the effort in your small town to, to address the, uh, regulations around tiny homes. Uh, are you, Mm -hmm. can you talk about that work that you're doing? Well, I mean, actually we've really just begun. Okay. My tiny house is parked in my backyard and it's legal as far as no one can live in it. Okay. They have no problem with with me going in and out, you know, I'm out here late, the lights mm-hmm. are on, you know, we do sleep out here sometimes too, but yeah. legally we can't live in it. Now my town is a really interesting town because it's a river town. Uh, we're really close to the Susquehanna okay. river. So there's a lot of great um, walking trails okay. and biking and things like that. But there are very few um, housing options as far as if you want to rent in this mm. town, and be here. There's very little. It's just a yeah. tiny little town. It's like a little pocket town. Uh huh. But everyone has like the houses are close to the road, but we have these long, long backyards, and then there's an alley at the end of the backyard. Okay. So there's tons of space to put tiny houses, and we have some mobile homes in the in this town also. And I'm kind of excited as the mobile homes go. I think replacing them with a tiny house could really be a great option. We could have more, you know, options for people to come and stay, more affordable housing options. And also we sometimes have flooding from the river. I mean, it takes a lot. It takes like a hurricane, Hurricane Sandy, we had flooding. But the great thing about a tiny house in this town, and I think it's a big sell is, so if a flood is coming, Uh usually there's a little bit of time, you know, people can have something set up ahead of time so that their houses are then just moved, moved to higher ground, which I think is so, um, I mean, that's a good sell, I think. And it's great for the town. It brings people in and revenue, but, you know, it's safe because you can move them out of there where the mobile homes that are here, you know, they're just, they'll just float. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as you know, as long as you know, have enough advance warning that the flood is coming. Yeah. Tiny homes Mm -hmm. can definitely be moved. Yeah. So, you know, we're a sleepy town, but it's waking up. And um, I just think there are so many great reasons to have tiny houses here. And we have some new Uh people coming into the town leadership. So I, I, I have a good feeling that we'll be able to do something. I don't know how long it'll take, but if we have mobile homes, I can't see why you can't have tiny homes. Yeah, I agree. It seems like they could could be a direct replacement. Oh yeah. So Betsy's in the group and 
we're starting to meet and look at zoning and it's exciting and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you know what changes we can bring because I love tiny houses not just for myself but I just think they're great for so many people yeah. and for so many areas that I really want to help where I can yeah I mean it's it's amazing what I'm hearing when I talk to people, it, it seems like it doesn't matter whether it's a big town or a small town, like rural, urban, suburban, it's like there's not enough housing everywhere, it seems. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, tiny houses are such a wonderful solution. They're not for everybody, obviously, but you right. take, you know, willing backyards and put really nice livable houses in them for those who want to live tiny is such a would would make such a dent and such a big difference. Yeah. In fact, you know, this is a historical town, so a lot of the houses close to the uh-huh. river are on the historic register. So I could even see tiny houses being built with a lot of the features that would help them fit into the town. I mean, it could really just be amazing, I think. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I love it like colonial tiny houses with slate roofs yep. and and uh, Exactly. And Who yeah. knows? The the possibilities are endless, but I actually went back to school and graduated with a degree in corporate communications during COVID, and nice. I wrote my thesis okay. on tiny houses as affordable housing options. Oh, awesome. So that was really fun to do a lot of research. Yeah, I researched here and also um, internationally, too. So that was exciting. Okay. So that probably wet my whistle. yep yep any particular um any findings or any any bits of research that that surprised you i guess just you know how unaffordable and how much a lack of housing there is for so many people and it's not it's not a matter of being Mm -hmm. poor these are middle class people yeah and even upper middle class in some areas that just can't afford the housing that's out there And also, you know, it's amazing how many people really don't want these giant houses that most builders are building. They really don't want all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, people just starting out and also older people who are getting rid of some things. They want to downsize. Those big houses really only fit a small amount of the population. Most of the population doesn't really want those. So that was kind of, I was glad to see that in my research. Nice. So you've got it parked in in your backyard. Is it hooked up to to power? Is it hooked up to water? Where does mm-hmm. the water go? Those kind of talk us through mm-hmm. the the utilities. Okay, so the power is hooked up to the main house. Uh, the water is hooked up to the main house. I use a heated hose in the winter. Mm-hmm. This summer, we're planning to actually mm-hmm. sink a water line because we have had problems with the water freezing when it gets really cold. Yep. And that's kind of a bummer. Yep. I actually had that happen to me when I was living in it full time and that was really bad. So it's not good for the pipes either. You know, it doesn't matter if you live in your no. house full time or not. You don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I have propane just for my hot water heater. Okay. That's it. Yeah, it's pretty simple. And then one challenge that that a lot of tiny houses face are, are gray water. You know, what, mm-hmm. how do you, how are you handling the water that comes out of the house? 
So when I was living in it full time, we we built, um, we dug a French drain. We did the gravel and the sand okay. and all of that jazz. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty good. It worked really well. But having it here at our house, you know, we never know when we're going to move it. Not just somewhere mm-hmm. else, but around the yard. We've had it in a few different places. So we really didn't want to go oh, that, interesting. that deep. So one reason to move it around on our property is the trees, you know, the leaves. We have a black walnut tree. And you try sleeping when in the uh-huh. morning when the squirrels are dropping black walnuts on a metal roof. <laughs> Get it. So, you know, we might move it at a different time uh. of year. What's happening, right? The acorns. Now I'm under an oak tree and I have acorns. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I kind of did an experiment. I um I have a hose that comes out. It ha- takes the water from the bathroom sink and shower uh-huh. and the kitchen sink. And uh-huh. it actually drains right on the ground. And uh-huh. there's um, an oak tree there. And we have plants around the oak tree. I'm trying to think of the name okay. of it. It'll come to me and then I'll let you know. Anyway, we have these plants around the oak tree. It's kind of like a a thick grass, a low grass. Okay. And so I'm um, mostly vegan, so there's no mm-hmm. fat from meat or anything, eggs, things like that going out of the drain. Okay. Everything that I wash gets wiped down before I actually wash them, and then I use biodegradable soap. So I kind of did this as an experiment to see, and over time, and Betsy can tell you, the plants just are so healthy. Even now over the winter, they're winterizing much better than any of the other plants. So all that water that goes out and maybe those little bits of nutrients from, you know, what I don't wipe off the dishes is actually feeding the plants and they're doing really well. I have a nature's head, so there's no black water going mm-hmm. out. It's really just, you know, mm-hmm. kitchen sink and bathroom sink. And I'm just really careful about you know, what goes down the drain and it's working out just fine. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll throw some numbers at our listeners. Um, so this will be episode 253. So if people want to see photos of Tina's house, they can go to thetinyhouse.net slash 253. And uh, the show notes will be there, a transcript and the photos that, that Tina shared. And the house, the house is really beautiful. And then um, this mysterious Betsy that we've been talking about was actually also interviewed on the show and has had quite a, a journey with her tiny house and living in different places in it. I mean, that's episode 169. So thetinyhouse.net slash 169 um, for that conversation. Um, now, I, I notice, and and again, like I feel like I'm cheating on this interview because Betsy's in the chat, like feeding me like... <laughs> Feeding okay. topics of conversation <laughs> because <good>. she knows <laughs> Betsy's like my interview fairy sitting on my shoulder. Um, Betsy, so um, your house has a lot of wood, you know, wood siding, wood interior. Um, mm-hmm. How has the upkeep been on your your wood? And I'm I'm asking this also because I also have a wood clad tiny house that has mm-hmm. had some has had needed some maintenance and also probably has some deferred maintenance at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very good question, actually. 
I would say last year we should yeah. have restained the outside uh-huh. and also added more poly, clear poly on the inside, but we got too busy and we didn't do it. Yeah. And now I'm really seeing the, um, the color of the stain is really starting to fade. So that's really important. Yeah. I think I would say every three years, really, it should be restained if you're going to have it mm-hmm. stained. Mm-hmm. I believe that the wood on the outside of my house is cedar. Okay. So that's helpful. That's also why I didn't paint it. Yep. That's why I opted for the stain. Because I think it actually works better. It does its natural thing better when it's stained. Yeah. So I would say every three, three and a half years. So this year we will restain the outside. And then the inside, you know, I really didn't want that shiny, shiny look on the wood. I really wanted to feel like I yeah. was in a cabin. Yeah. So I did the matte finish clear coat. Yeah. And that. Yep. That seems to, it, it almost looks like it's not even there anymore. So now I'm considering if I want to add the shiny, the uh, semi-gloss or the glossy one. Yeah. And then in the shower, I, I should say too, in the shower, I have a special waterproof coating on the wall. So I actually have this shiplap in the shower. I don't have, um, you uh-huh. know, one of those white plastic or whatever those things are, I actually have the wood walls in the shower and they're coated and it's, you know, over five and a half years now. And it looks like the day that it was coated and someone I knew actually did a spray coat for me, but I think that's pretty much it. You know, the trim around the windows also should be not necessarily restained unless uh, you have direct sunlight on it. But I think, you know, adding definitely that, uh, uh-huh clear coat or poly coat, whatever you're using is probably good every, I don't know, maybe four years, five years. It's not that much, honestly. Smart. Yeah. Doing those maintenance projects for me, at least that's like the last thing that I ever want to do. I know. It is so important (laughs) to do. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's also really important to power wash or get up there and scrub your metal roof also. Yeah. Depending on where you're parked. If you're under a tree, you might want to do it every year or every two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the trees can drop a lot of lot of gunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. You know, I I do want to put it out there that you know it's like if you're a person who de- really doesn't like doing those kinds of maintenance things, like repainting, restaining. At least for the outside of the house, there are certainly other options for what you can side the house with that. Mm-hmm. you know, don't require the same level of maintenance as wood. You know, there's right. there's vinyl, there's there's all kinds of different, there's metal siding and it, mm-hmm. it can look quite nice, you know, if you, you know, kind of choose the right theme. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. you know, just because sure. our tiny houses are covered in wood doesn't mean that, that everyone's does have to. Right. And actually the cedar doesn't work for everything because this past summer I had carpenter bees drilling holes. Mm in the eaves just under the roof. So, you know, this year we're going to clean those out and plug them up also. And I'll probably put like a little trap hanging just outside, but yeah, they, they really like the tiny house. (laughs) And then the spotted lantern flies, (laughs) we have to check because there are, there are little patches on there that they've laid their eggs now and I have to go make sure I scrape them Uh. off. So there's definitely some stuff to work on outside, but really it's not that bad compared to a, Big house, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Same issues, just smaller. Mm-hmm. 
exactly. <laughs> well, I've I've really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and kind of hearing about your your tiny tiny life, your tiny lifestyle. Um, do you have any any big moves or projects coming up? Um, well, as part of this um, group that's working on hopefully having tiny houses legalized in the area. I'm also hoping to uh-huh. be able to use my tiny house as a pop-up shop for a lot of the things I make. Cool. I actually, uh, my house is a 10 minute walk from the school that I teach at. So, you know, to be able to have a shop okay. and invite the whole school out could be a really good thing for me. So uh-huh. that's something that I hope. And if, if I am not able to do that with my tiny house, my husband has a landscaping trailer and I'll probably do this anyway. Ah. I'm planning to build it out. So it's like a little kind of like a, like what someone might bring to a farmer's market to have like bins with vegetables and things, Uh but I would have yarn and fabrics and fibers and things like that. Okay. And I'll probably start building something like that this summer so I can travel around also and sell things. That's a pretty exciting nice. project. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, one thing I like to ask all my guests is, you know, what are two or three resources that have helped inspire you in your tiny house journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, you've heard these names plenty of times, but they really are important to me. And I would say the first is Jay Schaefer. Mm-hmm. He's the first tiny house person that I read about, and I love his way of thinking about designing a space. It really made me think about my own space. I think without, you know, reading some of his books, I think I have two, Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I would have thought about it as deeply as I did. So definitely Jay Schaefer um, and Dee Williams. Nice. uh, For sure. Not only for her designs of her house, but just who she is and and again her her whole focus and her story really is just really inspiring you know yeah. and for those people who are nice. afraid to jump into building i mean if you read her story if anyone should have been afraid to it should have been her but she did it and yeah. it really it really yeah. was a great thing for her and then the last thing i would say You've had her as a guest on your show, Melanie Copeland. Uh, Her book, Trailblazing Tiny. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a great book for not only new people, but people who own tiny houses, because it's not just a book about living in a tiny house, but it's a workbook that actually, Mm -hmm. you know, gives you things to think about and actually work on. And there are pages that you can fill in in there. Uh Uh-huh. And you have then everything in one place, which I think is really great. So, you know, nice. I'm using her book a lot when I'm thinking about my, um, you know, my travel shop and my next house, which will be quite a while from now. So those three things, I think. Awesome. And of course, you know, our group here online. And I think it's great. You know, I, you know that I tapped into a plumber on this, sh- on this, in our group. In Tiny House Engage? Yeah, Tiny House Engage. <laughs> Sorry, it's that time of day. Tiny nice. House Engage. I was able to That's get okay. help, plumbing help, and yeah, all kinds of help. I think it's really such a great 
resource and a great thing to be involved in. So those are four things. Awesome. Well, we're we're <laughs> always grateful that you're there. Oh. Well, Tina Quintana, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. It was it was so fun to get to chat and and I can't wait to share this one. You're welcome. Anytime. Thank you so much to Tina Quintana for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes over at thetinyhouse.net slash 253. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 253. There you will also find a complete transcript of the episode and lots of photos of the inside and outside of Tina's tiny house. Again, that website is thetinyhouse.net slash 253. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.